and welcome back to A Better World. This is your host, Mitchell J. Rabin, and I'm very glad you're joining us again today. Today we're going to have another very interesting show. We will be talking with uh, two favorite people of mine, Ron and Victoria Friedman, who are the founders of the Vistar Method and the Vistar Foundation. We'll be speaking about the subject of co-creation in community, and uh, we'll unpack what that means and what the implications are for our future and for our current society. Things are moving at a rapid clip these days in this world, and we'll be coming to understand some of what we can do to help and assist and collaborate along this beautiful path with also, you like to call it a, a rosy path with also lots of thorns. So we'll see how we can negotiate those thorns and navigate in as smooth and graceful a way as possible. A little on both my guests tonight. Uh, they are both visionaries. They are a married couple for many years and together they have pioneered together as visionaries and teachers in the field of collective consciousness and as I said they are both co-founders of Vistar Foundation a nonprofit organization dedicated to exploring the power and potential of collective intelligence Ron by profession is an MD pathologist and Victoria a ceramic artist They've developed, as I said, the evolutionary Vistar method, which is a structured meeting format for collective awakening, co-creativity, and conscious communication. That's a mouthful, and they will be explaining to us what that means. They have, in fact, over 30 years of experience with intensive spiritual group practice and training Vistar Circle leaders. Uh, they have also been students of the work, that is the work of G.I. Gurdjieff, who I have spoken of many times and has been a, a teacher of mine of great repute, and that's another place where we come together in appreciating the depth of this extraordinary teacher's wisdom. They've also studied the work of Rudolf Steiner and the non-dual traditions. Victoria is the author of Spirit Doodling, the effortless expression of no mind. I love that. And Ron is a poet and author of Unaccustomed Looking, Insight on the Path. For more, you can go to their website, um, vistarfoundation.org. Victoria and Ron, with me, are... Uh, and a group of our friends and colleagues are all on the board of FIONS, which you've heard me speak about a number of times, the Friends of the Institute of Noetic Sciences. So we have the pleasure of uh, seeing each other and working with each other collaboratively in that space as well as in others. So welcome to A Better World, Ron and Victoria. Pleasure to have you. <laughs> Thank Hi. you. Thank you Hello. so much, Hello, Mitch. Yeah. Hello. Oh, great. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's so good to, to share this <laughs> audience. Indeed. This has been something we've been wanting to do for a long time, and voila. I know. Here we are. I know. And, great. Uh, great. Thank you so much. Such, uh, Thank you. Of course, of course, and on such a rich subject. And we also want to make announcements to our audience about some activities through FIONS uh, that we're doing, as well as our kind of collective groups or organizations. Uh, that might be something actually fun to start off with 
Victoria, would you just walk us through what we're doing as a collective uh, for International Day of Peace? Yeah, absolutely, Mitchell, especially because one of the reasons I wanted to be here today is because this, the events that we are doing and the way we're working in Fions and the board is very co-creative. And I think it's very co-creative yeah. on the edge. And so much of what I'm learning actually comes from putting together and working with everyone, uh, with these wonderful people in Fions. And so for, um, for the International Day of Peace, celebrating that day, and also the culmination of 11 Days of Global Unity, Fions is presenting a four-hour event called Peace, the Overview Effect. And that will be on Saturday, September 19th, from 3 to 7 p.m., and it's at the HAS Center in New York and to 43rd Street. And you'll get that information on the FIONS Facebook page. We have a Facebook page. Just put in FIONS and Facebook, and you'll get that information, and probably on A Better World and maybe right. on We the yep. World. That's right. So, uh, That's right. That will be and there. And affiliates. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so it's a four-hour presentation, and it includes uh, 15 spiritual leaders from New York, and uh, there's going to be drama and music and song and um, poetry and sound and co-creativity and chant for change also with with the people from Hare Krishna, and it's a very dramatic um, presentation. And basically we are really looking at peace, the overview effect, meaning a cosmic perspective on peace, the overview effect uh, um, in terms of Edgar Mitchell and Ion's. Exactly. So it's a really fun this thing. is really where it's uh, it's coming out of the IONS uh, organization that Edgar Mitchell, the astronaut, who of course we've had him on before, uh, talking about his experience of the Earth from the Moon, and that is such an all-encompassing uh, spiritual experience for him as an MIT astrophysicist. Uh, that was language that he would not have necessarily used, but it reached so deep down in a way that it utterly altered his life and is known, at least in one way, as the as the overview effect. So we're building on that. And just for everyone to know, there's going to be a lot of love, a lot of humor, a lot of music, a lot of inward reflection, a little satire. It's going to be a very good day where a group of very creative people are coming forward to share their wares, if you will, share their arts. Ron, do you want to add to that? Uh, It's very exciting, and I I love the fact that it is so um, multifaceted uh, because that is really, really uh, something a little bit different. It's not a lecture format where one person gets up after another. Uh, it is it is the integration, the overview, as seen by different talents, different individualities, uh, in a very dramatic way. And I think everyone will enjoy it. Yes. Well, that's wonderful. I I know we will be. <laughs> we want everybody to come with us. Mm-hmm. In fact, not only is this uh, kind of good to just share with the audience, but it also acts as kind of a, a case in point, Victoria, for uh, or a launch pad for what we want to speak about today, um, co-creation, collaboration, cooperation. You know, we know, in fact, from 
of the new neuroscientific studies and research that love, cooperation, being social are all actually the higher levels of adaptation and survival. Unlike our typical way of thinking about survival from this uh, Darwinian survival of the fittest notion, which I've heard said that was attributed to him. He never said that at all. Um, Or he may have used the phrase, but not to say that's the way. But it's rather because we get along, not kill each other off in order to survive as a species. And so in light of that sort of backdrop, if you will, uh, perhaps you could walk us through what you mean by co-creation and what you, Ron, and Vistar are doing in terms of helping move the conversation forward at this incredibly delicate time in our human history. And I really want to emphasize that. I mean, in many ways, we're staring down the throat of what's called the sixth extinction and such things as climate change, of drought, um, uh, we are seeing climate refugees all over the world. We see wars being started because of, of drought and famine and the like. Uh, you know, we're really at a precipice right now, and it seems like it's calling upon our deepest and highest characteristics you know, features, virtues, to come forward. So I'd love to, seeing as we're sort of staring at this in the face, what you feel and what you use Vistar as a vehicle for in helping advance the conversation. Well said. Well, Mitchell, everything you said, I couldn't agree with more. And and the word co-creation, I just want to... Um, talk a little bit about how I am using it and perhaps how Ron Please. both of us are using it. And that is creation meaning the actual manifestation of, of a creative act. So it isn't so much a conversation, although a conversation can be very creative, but we're talking about actually people, come, very simply, people coming together and actually doing something together, creating something, mm-hmm. whether, it's a, whether it's a house or it's a park or it's a garden or even if it is a uh, a plan for for sustainability, but something is being mm-hmm. created together, and very often people in co-creation they say they're in co-creation because they sit around and talk about it together. But I, very often I just keep saying, well, what are we going to do? So I'm using creation as a real act of creation in the sense of the Big Bang, yes. God, the creative force, and so we're <laughs> our Big Bang here, and uh, yes. so that. That level of co-creation is really, that's when the, excuse me, but the shit hits the fan. Because mm-hmm. that's when people really have to put their effort, give their time, give them themselves, give up their ideas, give in their ideas. So much is happening when we try to create something together. And so I'm very Maybe when, uh, instead interested of the shit the hits process. the fan, I, I'm wondering if as a ceramics artist we could just say, the clay hits the wheel, <laughs> The clay heats the wheel. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Somehow it's a little that's bit good. more poetic. That's very creative. You know? That's very, that's very creative. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to say I that hear what you were saying. Is, if anybody you know, is, because if people are listening, 
It's really about yes. creating something together. And we've been, yes. for eight years, we did a theater ensemble where we co-created with people uh, in different levels of co-creation, and also now we're continuing to do that in various places. So, yeah. <clears throat> Uh, be careful, Mitchell, what uh, images you use, because I used to be a potter on the wheel. So, uh, yeah, you know. Um, exactly. Yeah, and I think I think well, I think the yeah. the process of co-creation, uh, the way in which we use it, the way we talk about it, um, has something in it which is pointing towards the future. In other words, it's not simply people getting together and making something, but it's people getting together with a shared understanding uh, of the importance of the process itself, of what they are doing. It is a very, um, a very broad consciousness that enters into this kind of a co-creative enterprise. And so, in a sense, this is what makes it a little bit different, and perhaps we can talk more about it later, but it is a more conscious process of coming together, understanding why we come together, and pointing towards the future um, evolutionary sense of human beings coming together. Yes. Okay. So um, I'd like nice. to. I'd like to just, if you want me to, which I could, just put out a little bit of a template how we could look at this. Please. Would you like that me to do that? That would be great, Victoria. Oh, okay. please. Yeah. Well, now I'm going to use a template from Integral or um, Spiral Dynamics, if people know about that. And if you don't, you could just follow along. Yeah, let, but let's comes... say, I mean, of course, I've talked, I've spoken about Ken Wilbur, and I've had Don back on, you know. Uh, but uh, what we're talking about here, just for clarity's sake, is uh, the integral thinking model of Ken Wilbur. Yeah, please go ahead. Okay. Okay, so... Again, you know, this is just a way that we can look at things. It's not set in stone. Yes. It's not like this is the end all and be all. We're just looking at no, process. No, it's a, it's a very to useful a way lens through which to look. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So Go ahead. in co-creation, is co-creation traditional? We call that 1.0. Co-creation modern, 2.0. Co-creation postmodern, 3.0. And we're in the beginning of co-creation 4.0. So... If we look at that, we can just consider very, just as very broadly that co-creation 1.0, which, by the way, most of the world is in, is traditional. It's very authoritarian structure, authoritarian structure. It's involved with status quo and following directions and rules. So the co-creative process, you can just imagine, it's involved with a very strong authority figure, and things are pretty much done the way they used to be done, and things are very literal. And very a lot much of the a world patriarchal is kind of structure. Absolutely. And most of the, most of the world, it, it said, Ken Wilber, they say most of the world is in that. Now, the, the mm-hmm. more evolved co-creative model is the mo- in the modern. The modern model is very strategic. It's very focused on achievement, on recognition, on getting ahead, on competition. It's the corporate work model. Okay, so that, when people work together in that model... They work together a certain way. It's a perfectly wonderful way, and they do it. There's a lot of good things about each of these models and a lot of, obviously, pathological things and dysfunctional things. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, co-creation 3.0, which is postmodern, which many of us who are involved in evolution and on, on the path of, of uh, realization 
are adhered to is postmodern. Postmodern is collaborative. It's relationship-oriented. It's cooperative. Okay, and the integral model, mm-hmm. I, don't, I, I don't really know if anybody knows exactly what's happening with that. We certainly don't, but we are going in that direction. The integral model, yeah. the main thing about it, it, it transcends and includes all the models. In this, in this structure, the postmodern theme, the postmodern model, actually does not, wants to, it came as a result of, of, that, of the modern model being obsolete. Postmodern people have a lot of attitudes and, and um, judgments about modern, and modern has a lot of judgment about mm-hmm. traditional. Integral is the first step, and it's a shift in consciousness. These are all different modes of consciousness and co-creation. Different people are involved in, in, in these kinds, different kinds of consciousness. So the integral model is transcend and include, which means it has something of the traditional, so we don't throw out authority. It has something of the modern, so we don't throw out achievement. It has something of the postmodern, so we don't throw out collaboration. And yet it is something beyond all that. It is a shift in consciousness. So we just wanted to open that up a little bit and perhaps talk about what we're seeing in this shift in consciousness, in the qualities and the aspects of people in the process, in the integral possibility of co-creation. Yes, I understand. Very nicely done. I appreciate that. I, um, you know, I'm familiar with Spiral Dynamics and Don Beck, and I've met him and I've interviewed him and I've hung out with him, and we were actually uh, on a panel together some years back at a uh, conference on cycles out in Albuquerque. It was a lot of fun. I have, I think he's an amazing guy. Uh, I've got to say that the um, what is laid out. In the work of Claire Graves, who who really is the uh, the main person behind Spiral Dynamics, is it is considered a shifting consciousness from one meme to the next. And yes, what went before is included in what exists today. We use the word transcend, and I I think that there are some questions that could be raised about that. But let's just at least everything in the past includes uh, what is in the present as a psychotherapist just as an example um, when people ask me sometimes happens well what about my past life what if I were you know a um, kind of a, a a feisty old troublemaker in my past life and today that how do I reconcile that person I was then into today's life? And I say, well, in some ways it doesn't actually matter so much what your identity was back then because it's all happening right now anyway. So it's sort of a gestaltic perspective instead of, you could say, a psychoanalytic one. You following me? The difference mm-hmm. that as long as it's here now today, we're included, like... We have um, cells that are highly developed out of atoms and molecules and, you know, like that, which are the building blocks of the cells. But the atoms and the molecules are still there. So today we have it all, in short. We have it all. So where do we go from here, Victoria and Ron? Where do we go from this understanding? 
Well, this understanding is what determines the process of co-creation that we're talking about. In a sense, it's the incorporation of this kind of an understanding, which we call a process consciousness, which makes what may be called integral co-creation what it is. In other words, we uh, are dealing, as you're saying, with a different state of consciousness of the participants. And it has some very dramatic consequences uh, of the way we interact. And I think we'll be talking about that. For example, uh, there is a great deal of trust in the process that is going on at that moment. When we speak of process consciousness, it means that we are aware in the present moment, which you're touching on. Uh, it is something that is not only now, but it is also pointing towards the future in the way in which people interact. So um, I think this is what we are trying to uh, define as co-creation, yeah. uh, integral co-creation. Can you contrast yes, that with... Um, ways of uh, interacting that were prior to the integral uh, level of consciousness? I mean, yes. in, in, in yes. a concrete way. Yes. Even even in our lifetime. You know, even in our lifetime. We don't have to go back to the, the mythic or magical or ri- ritual. No. Oh, no, no. No, no. no. <laughs> Mitch, Mitchell, what we're talking about is right here and now. Right here and now, yeah. the way people are interacting. First of all, I want to say people who come to co-creation on an integral level, or even want to get close to that, are people who are already very evolved. They wouldn't even find themselves in that society. They wouldn't even be there. So the kind mm-hmm. of people that we are attracting, for example, everyone in Fions, one spirit, I mean, my God, and, and uh, definitely the Coalition of Co-Creators in Connecticut, and the and the what it was it called coalition of convergence of co-creators in Colorado. Everybody there has already had a spiritual awakening of some type. Mm-hmm. They've already had a taste of an individual connection. So they have they are already beginning to do that. The people who are coming, they are not. If they're there to be a part of a whole, the language a part of a whole is very postmodern. Postmodern mm-hmm. is I'm a part of everything. Everything is a part of me. We shall overcome. It's collaboration, relationship-oriented, as I said. But it is not a sense, a shift in consciousness, where we are not part of a whole because a whole is a whole, and a whole is not parts. So it's a whole. We are the whole. So it begins to shift a little bit like I am the whole, that whole event that we're doing. I am the whole event. It begins to take so away the it's sense from of... I- it's from I am part of the whole to I am the whole of the whole. Right. Right. Beautiful. Yeah. Okay. The whole of the whole. Okay. So, yeah, it's, it's a sense inside. This is something we can feel. This is not a theory. It's a sense because when you start feeling that, what happens, okay, in modern, in modern times, everybody will be seeing how many lines they have on each, on each, on each, um, on, in, in the piece, how many minutes they have to speak. How many? What? 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 What kind of exposure are they going to get? Is their name going to mm-hmm. be in all this? In postmodern, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. We're all equal. We'll share the wealth. We'll share the thing. It has not worked. It has not worked. So when you get, we get to integral. It's like something different. 
There's a different beginning of, 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 of there's a taste of individual connection to the source, and we begin to think, I, I am the whole, like that ocean and the wave. There are waves, but we're all the ocean. We are the ocean. So, so are you saying that the, the whole, egoic uh, aspect of the earlier levels are not present in the integral model? Are they're present. They're just different. They begin to they begin to evolve and transform. Something begins to change. The whole is an expansion of the individual, because we are the whole. So it expands what what, what used to be an individual. These things are very hard to talk about, Mitchell. They're not. They're just beginnings of things. But there's they a are. sense if we can see ourselves that there is a I'd whole. I'd like to ground this actually in. Could you, because of the work you've been doing, both of you for so long? in the Vistar Foundation. What, what is an example, Victoria, of how this has been applied or how do you see it show up in the groups that you've been running, both of you, for so long? Well, it showed up very... The groups we've been running went through a process of co-creation 3.0, 2 3.0, 4.0. We ran groups for 30 years. And when we started, the co-creative model was very postmodern collaborative, everybody had a word, and it was fine. There was nothing wrong with that. One of the drawbacks of it started to be that it became not so excellent, that things began to be more diffuse, that people got bored and, and moved away from it because the, it, it did not have enough structure. We gave up too much of the structure mm -hmm. from the modern model. When you say, how did we show it up, we had a theater ensemble that worked that way for eight years and performed together that mm -hmm. way. Uh, hundreds of performances, and since then we've been doing events that we continually events that we continue are unfolding this process. I mean, the events like that, the one we did, the call to wholeness. We did an event here last mm -hmm. year called um, the Arising of the Cosmic Soul. So people come together, and we have a process that we're beginning to work with on how to move this along in terms of co-creation. Does that Got answer it. your question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's exactly what I wanted to do, is have a uh, more specified um, kind of example of this thinking in action. You see, I, um, I've distanced myself from this model to some extent. I use, I pick and choose from different models that I don't take on any one whole hog, including the postage, if you know that phrase. <laughs> and so... Mm -hmm. um, and that includes um, Ken Wilber's work, for which I have immense respect. But I also see in the spiral dynamic piece of it uh, what I feel are rather intense generalizations. And so, um, uh, I mean, I do think that there's an evolution of belief systems, by all means, going, you know, from the mythic f forward. Um, but I, I see a tremendous amount of the reality of what is called postmodern right here now today as we are moving toward a more evolved self. It's just, that's what I see. That's my experience. And as part of a better world, I am involved, engaged in projects, you know, all over the place, you know, in some way all over the planet, frankly. Um, so, you know, I'm involved in sort of the day-to-day the -day birthing, if you will, 
of different projects that make a difference both through um, intellectual, emotional, spiritual sharing between people, as well as how to construct systems that will help our planet move off of the um, the fossil fuel paradigm, which is helping to bring forward the sixth extinction, you know, through the aggravation of global warming and climate change and uh, global freezing and just let's just call it global chaos, you know, <laughs> climate chaos from, you know, an ordinary point of view. That's sort of what it looks like. So from that point of view, I love to hear what you have to say about what you said. Maybe you could take a look at some of the things you know I'm doing and am involved with and what a better world is from this point of view that you are both describing of co-creation. Well, <clears throat> one of the uh, aspects of this kind of co-creation that we're talking about, and uh, uh, obviously uh, it's in your way of working in the topics you consider and how you consider them, uh, one of the central aspects is a wider uh, consciousness. In other words, it takes in a lot more. Just as the overview uh, includes the entire planet seen from space and everything that goes yeah. with it, the individual who is at the edge of co-creation has that kind of an overview that's beginning to develop as part of their sense of identity. It's a very uh, different consciousness, much, more, uh, much wider and therefore, when we talk about co-creation, we're involved in co-creation. At that moment, we're approaching it with that kind of a wider point of view. And that has a great deal of consequences in terms of what we want when we come together and how we work together. Yep, got it. So it's interesting. So you brought something up. On one hand, you're both talking about sort of the structure of communication and of a group process. But just now, Ron, you brought in the other aspect of it, which is the content of the process as well, and that there are certain subjects, we could say, that have a more enlightened blend to them, which I agree with completely, you know, um, and that's where we, of course, get alignment between people who want to be involved in the same projects because it's upholding a value structure that they deem meaningful. Would you say, Victoria? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's. I mean, we talked about that other times. You and I, Mitch, about beyond agreements. What we're finding out, for example, in co-creation 4.0, which I, you know, we're using this construct now. Um, we don't really look to agree. We just do not look for agreement because agreement then leads to disagreement. And you know through me, I'll be on ideas of wrongdoing, right doing. There's a field. I'll meet you there. Mm -hmm. So it's, mm -hmm. it's actually beyond the idea field and the agreements. So it's not that we agree to disagree. We just don't the agreement. We just don't emphasize or even look for agreement. But we don't even look for alignment in the sense that we don't look for it. We that comes with the territory that we are aligned. Yeah. Alignment. To me, alignment is like, you know, when, when you stand, they, they say if you stand in the sun straight, 
straight in the sun at noon, the sun is on top of your head. You have no shadow. You're aligned with the sun. You have no shadow. Yes. So alignment is... is, I love that. Yeah, thank you. Alignment is like, is, you know, all of us really intuiting and, and being, appreciating, I guess, and really nurturing that sense of source that we all know that, that we're creating as the source and with the source. And we look yes. for that. It's sort of like a looking, like, you know, when a person says to you, uh, oh, I'm, I was so quiet and I've been looking for an answer, I've been searching and going inside myself and looking outside myself and taking walks. It's like a group, it's like a, co- a group thing doing that together. When we're together, when we're together, it's going on all the time. Yes, we're all indeed. looking for that, for that. So there's a lot of things that, that we actually take away in having to look for that. For example, a lot of people who come to co-creativity on this level are very talented healers and guides and speakers, and they have a lot of answers. People have, they have a lot of knowledge, a lot of experience, a lot of wisdom. And so we're, like in, the, we're, we're in a circle of wisdom keepers and knowledgers and healers. Everybody's there like that. And when we first started, people would start speaking and other people would come in and correct them and teach them and guide them. It's so natural for us to all do this, and it's a good mm-hmm. thing. But that mm-hmm. can't happen because no, everyone there is really not to, there to do that to anyone else. So that kind of receives to the background. So that's a, a big thing that changes, and how that happens depends on how many people can be aligned. How many of us can understand this? It takes some sacrifice. It's not really sacrifice in my mind because it's things that actually separate us and actually give us pain. So I can't say that they're, they're, it's almost like a gift that they can be sacrificed in, in the, because we're doing something together. See, that's why mm-hmm. the project is still a little bit of a, it's kind of a crutch. If you, you might want to say, I'm not sure that that's the right way to use it. But it's sort of mm-hmm. like a crutch. We have a project that we all have to do together, and, and people will sacrifice for a project. Like we want this to be the best it can be and the most effective and send the best message. So the, in that way, that, that kind of gets it going. It, it starts, it starts um, the juices rolling. And so I always, yeah. tell, I always tell a story that I work with children and the fairy world, you know, with fairies, the Middle Kingdom, when I studied Steiner in the Middle Kingdom. And what we did mm-hmm. is I was an, a clay artist, and we built towns out of clay. We built clay towns for the fairies and the elves, the fairies. And we, I actually fired the towns, and then we took them into the woods. We would take the towns into the woods and leave them there for the fairies. This was a mm. very real thing. We co-created this. So there was always one child, a number of children, would say, I don't believe in fairies. They'd say, I don't believe in fairies. I remember when that first happened, I was like, oh, and then I got help from from wisdom, and I said, oh, you don't have to believe in fairies. No one has to believe in fairies. Your parents don't have to believe in fairies. The world doesn't have to believe in it. I said, could you just, would you be willing to help us build a little house? And they go, oh, yeah. Within half an hour, all those children... All those children were not only believing them, speaking to them, getting messages, completely saying they remember when they were young, seeing them. It was unbelievable. So the action, the actual physical, you know, movement into into a process, into a into a project, really begins to open up that co-creative feeling. And now this has happened before. People working on movies and barn raisings. Except the difference is now we're in conscious co-creation. 
Now we have people like you, like Kay Imagine and, and Rick Olfang and Kurt Johnson, and we're looking at it. So it's a completely right. different thing. Suddenly you become like aware that you something is greater than all of us, greater than the sum of the parts. Can you see? You know, to give first of all, let Mitchell. Can I give? A let me let everybody know. Just, just one moment. I have to let everybody know that you are listening to a Better World Radio with Mitchell J. Rabin. We're on every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Uh, if you don't yet get our newsletter, uh, please go to our website at abetterworld.tv. It's free. It announces who we're going to have on as guests on the couple of shows every week, this one and on A Better World TV, every Monday evening aired in Manhattan and online at 7 p.m. So uh, become part of A Better World family and community by signing up for our free newsletter. Today we are speaking about co-creation, as I'm sure you've noticed, with two of my favorite people, Ron and Victoria Friedman, who are the co-founders, talk about co-creation, of the Vistar Foundation. And uh, so it's really a pleasure to have you both on, by the way. It's a real pleasure to be kicking around these ideas and, um, you know, feeling our way through them. And Ron, as you rightfully said, it can only be done with a sense of humbleness and humility earlier uh, before our conversation. And it's really true because we're doing our best to move our planet and our consciousness along so we don't um, self-implode <laughs> and because for the joy of creation <laughs> <Really>? itself. <laughs> yeah. And so um, your comment, one of the examples, a concrete example of this kind of co-creation uh, that we're reaching for and the consciousness that's involved by the participants is if you're sitting at a meeting and let's say the person who's acting as leader or facilitator happens to say things you don't agree with or perhaps personality-wise, you don't like them. But because we have what we're calling process consciousness, a wider vista uh, of the importance of what we're doing we would have a reason to go for the higher, to go for the bigger perspective and say, okay, I am not going to react ego-wise. I'm actually going to support this individual, support the meeting, support the structure, because I realize that what I'm doing right now affects the whole right now. That is process consciousness, and that is one of the hallmarks that changed attitude towards what is happening uh, one of the hallmarks of a new kind of co-creation. Yes, yes, I got it. That That's a very important point when you look at um, not just styles of leadership, but modes of leadership and um, how are decisions made, who's making them. So in this model, who is making the decisions? In this, in this model, well, there aren't a lot of decisions in the sense that things, things more, um, what's the word, things are created. Like the, the, whatever project we're on, the, the, things begin to come out. And the decisions seem to be made by the group, by the group in, in a kind of, it's not really, I would say, I mean, there are people who may not want to go with something, but they do because they understand but it's sort of a, I can't, uh, I'm trying to think of how to... This is really important, you. though. 
This is an incredibly important piece of the whole. And there has to be tremendous clarity around this. Mm -hmm. Well, there's not a lot. If you're evolving evolving a, a way of thinking and being, and let's say you're involved in some form of governance, it's a highly responsible position to what might be, you know, dozens or hundreds or thousands of people. I'll tell you, I was in Findhorn uh, back in the year 2000. Oh, I can't believe it's that long ago, which, of course, was one of the first um, eco-villages on the planet of that type. And it all began, which you, you probably know, and I've interviewed her, um, the woman who started it, uh, who wrote a book called, um, what was the name of that book? God, um, God, oh, this is so weird. I'm, do you remember the name? Um, it's escaping me right now. But um, essentially, she said, she was this poor woman living in London, and said, Eileen Caddy, said, God spoke to me. That was the, that's the book's name. That's right. God spoke to me. And from her view, God said, get thee out of London and go to this little uh, craggy area that looks like a desert in northern Scotland in a tiny fishing village called Findorn and start a community. She said, I don't have enough food to feed my son and daughter tomorrow. What do you mean move from London and do all of this? And, uh, in fact, you know, she ultimately listened and went and started this community. And they would meet as a group in a rather egalitarian way, kind of a green meme kind of way, and they would talk about how they felt guided for the next things to emerge and to happen. And it was through building that kind of consensus in, I guess, what could be called a very democratic way, they would make decisions. Okay, well, getting back to your question on making decisions, now, you know, there's a co-creator's handbook, and it tells you how to make decisions, and there's four pages, and it's all outlined. And that is fine. And what I would say in all those outlines that people have written, we'd have to look how they all work. So the experience that we've had, because we've had groups that met for 30 years, and a, a theater ensemble that, you know, worked together for eight years and created two CDs, decisions must have been made and how long the songs would be and, and what time period, what time signature they'd be in and, and all these kinds of things. So what I want to say to you is that it's not a how-to, because this has to do with a shift in consciousness of the whole group. And when that Sorry happens... Sorry about that. I just dropped out for one moment, a technical glitch. So, yeah, please go on, Victoria. So we're talking about decision-making, and, and again, decision-making, as I said, in Co-Creators Handbook and other places, they, they have a whole system. Everybody, if you can go on Google and put down how to make decisions you'll get a million different things on how to make decisions, and I'm sure they're all right. good. What I would want to know is what state of consciousness are the people in making those decisions together. The Vistar mm-hmm. method is a method that brings us together into the field, out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing. How do decisions get made? First of all, the, the facilitator or leader of the circle is highly trained. That's one thing. That's a highly trained position, and that person mm-hmm. knows how to work with the energies in the room and the the not the consensus, the communion. So, so for example, I'll give you some examples. Uh, we were at a, we were at a, 
nice co-creative event. We were co-creative event in Colorado, and uh, there was 30, 40 people there. And somebody, nobody was really leading it. It was very, it was a very 3.0 model. And and then somebody came in who presented something that was that every that other people took offense with. So when they took offense with it, the whole energy in the room went up, and people started get disgruntled and kind of complain a little bit. And immediately, a person who was in a leadership position took everybody into a circle, held hands, and said, let's all quiet down. Now, that's a very, what I would call, 3.0 man, uh, facilitator doing what 3.0 facilitators do. Because in 4.0, everything is included, including being angry and being frustrated. So how the decisions are made in the circle is dependent a lot on the leader. This is a, a model with somebody who has who has some training, and the people in the circle, we actually have participant training where people learn how to participate in something like this, and we have support mm-hmm. training. So so the decisions, I, I can say they kind of begin to come out, and there's like a group I wouldn't call an agreement. There's a sense of resonance in a group. like the whole, It's almost like, you know, when people put something on, you're doing something and somebody puts something in the middle of a table and everybody goes, oh, that's great, leave it there. Like we've done experiments mm-hmm. of people placing things and everyone, there's like a sense that everyone knows that's what it is. We've downloaded mm-hmm. two two CDs with music listening and saying, what, how was the decision made on how the melody would go? You could feel it in the room that everybody was like in yes. It's mm-hmm. a yes. And usually there's sometimes there's a few people that are no and we would wait. We would wait till either of those people came around or we'd hold the decision back and try another time. There was no mm-hmm. one has to be left out. In, in, a, in a meeting here, in the process that we were doing of, of creating an entire event with 40 people, there was a woman who stood up, and she was very belligerent. I would call her the angry activist. She was very <laughs> belligerent, and she got up, and mm-hmm. she really lit in on how men treat women badly. I mean, in a very, what I would call, identified way, like an angry mm-hmm. activist, you know, if you read, you've had James O'Day on, and I love his book, yes. Conscious Activism, and, you know, that's the angry activist, and she did that, and I have to tell you, about 10 people in that 40-people group would have thrown her out of the group. They would have said, well, she doesn't really belong here because, because of her, the way, her tonality. Like, let's bring mm-hmm. it all back. Let's all be resonant. Let's all be in the same frequency. Let's all be like-minded. I mm-hmm. think 4.0, mm-hmm. this is my experience, is not that. It is not like-minded. It is not resonant that way. It's resonant in truth more than in heart. The heart goes along, but it's a sense of it's a sense of like consciousness, a sense of something beyond again, beyond ourselves that we've all adhered to. So decisions we haven't formulated. That'd be interesting to have someone like you come and watch the process and see how that's happening. But that's mm-hmm. why we're we're exploring. We say we're explorers and pioneers in this process. Yes, yes, yes. You know. Ron, I would add to that, Mitchell, that um, everything in this kind of a co-creative meeting is evolving. There, everything, every role is evolving. The participants are evolving. Leadership itself is evolving. And the way we interact, the awareness of the field as a partner, in a sense, for the entire group uh, is something relatively new. That mm-hmm. conscious awareness on yeah. that. So you really, in this kind of a co-creative setting, you are in an evolutionary crucible. It is something 
that is moving towards the future. It is new. The consciousness is different. And um, and so decisions come about. They happen. They're not a mm-hmm. statistical event of how many yeses, how many noes. And uh, it has to be experienced. And when it is experienced, this kind of agreement that Victoria was talking about, when in the entire group says, yes, that is an amazing feeling. And there's a complete sense of satisfaction in the participants. Mm-hmm. The ego mm-hmm. is backed off with that kind of an event, that kind of an experience. Yeah, the connected sense is really unbelievable. You don't want to go home. You want to stay with everybody. It has a lot of that in it. But I just wanted to add also here, um, Mitchell, because we're so involved in this together, like the whole idea that I'm thinking a lot about lately in co-creation, working with other people on a project, is time, accountability, and involvement. And I'm really interested in this. See, if I wasn't, then because of the nature of, I think, what could be called 4.0 or integral co-creation because everybody is so highly evolved, those people by nature are extremely busy. They are very busy with their own projects. This kind of model does not make this project their central project. Their central project is their own individual project. And yet Mm -hmm. we all need to come together for something beyond the sum of the parts. So, like in my thinking, being an organizer for this, for example, a coordinator, oh, my God, I could go out of my mind. Emails mm-hmm. don't go through. People don't have this. I can't reach anybody. I mean, those things are all, to me, to me, they're principles. Like, we have to deal with that. I, I don't know the answers, something that I'm, you know, exploring. What does that mean? I'm not taking away, I can't, I can't, there are no shoulds. I can't say these people should be accountable and they should be sending me their stuff. And you know what? I should tell them from the beginning that they have to have this in by deadline. And if they don't have it, they can't be in the piece. And if they miss three meetings, they're out. Mm-hmm. That's, that, that will go back to modern. You know, or it doesn't really matter. We'll and, go with and, the flow in whatever and, way it comes You know, back. see, this is, where, uh, this is where I think it, it trips up profoundly, frankly. Because I don't think it's a going back, and because that's why I I consider the model flawed in itself. It's just my not asking anybody to agree with me, but um, it's I think the model is flawed itself because without that accountability, it ain't the show isn't going to go on. It doesn't go well, on. You know, and there there may account- be. The kind of alignment that you want by the date certain of the scheduled uh, event, which we should also talk about again, uh, so people can come and join us. Uh, And if for whatever reason it's circling around so slowly and the rent is paid for that day that we've rented the space, but we haven't gotten... Uh, enough accountability among the players by that date, it's not going to happen. So how, this is why the whole domain of decision making, Ron, I heard you loud and clear, I thought it was a a very beautiful point, Um, well both of you, of uh, sort of, it's more of a perspective of allowing, and that people, but that strikes me as people being in resonance, frankly, because when you said you were in Colorado and a resonant field emerged, but that isn't that, this isn't that, then what is that yes? What is the space in the field of that yes that people 
come to if it's not the creation of a resonant field? It, it is a resonant field. I mean, it is the creation. That's what the Vistar method is all about. It's how to create that resonant field and to work with it, even though if we don't really know, by the way, exactly what it is. We're, yeah. we're in a new area of working together That's what of I relationships. Thought. That's what I thought. Exactly. Yeah. So I, did I misunderstand you, Victoria, then before when you said it's not just a matter of resonance. It's beyond that. Did I hear you say that? That's why I was querying. You know, every, everything has different consciousness aligned with it. There's resonance that could be, you know, you could say ISIS is in resonance with each other. They're yeah. in resonance. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I'm I, saying I, I don't know if I would actually say that my, myself, but uh, I think that, that that's a, seri- a group of, very conflicting egos that are trying desperately to get aligned around a certain, you know, what they consider noble uh, value. But yeah, I, well, I that, generally that could, understand that, that what you could mean. be a lot of. I know a lot of egos that are trying to get together. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so we have right. we have not done with egos, but I want to just go back to the accountability idea and yeah, saying great, that great. what I'm saying to you is I am on the edge of considering. I am not saying. Giving, I'm taking the rules of engagement, of co-creation that has been known till now, and putting them into question. Mm-hmm. I'm putting them into question because we're going to rehearse once. And as, as somebody who's in the coalition event here said to me, who's a, th- who's a person who's a performer, said we should be rehearsing once a week. And I said, we're yeah. going to, I, said, I said to everybody in the coalition, come and see the thing. Let's take a look at what happens in New York on September 19th, you should all come because this mm-hmm. is a happening, as we said on WBAI the other day, because we are going to rehearse once. I have never done that, frankly, with, my, yeah. with what we have done. And so I am taking all those things, and rather than thinking that people have to be a certain way or the, and putting them aside and saying, let's see we, what, what we can do with what there is, with what is. If people can only come together once, if we if we get there, I mean, the room is going to be there. We've paid the rent. That's not we're not talking about the foundational things, but in terms of the kind of little structures that that have been so like absolutely we have to have that. I wouldn't I wouldn't be doing this because these people are not accountable. I'm putting that aside. I'm not saying they shouldn't be accountable. I'm just putting aside and saying with what is. Right now, with what is, with what people have put up, with how much time they have, with how much marketing they can do, let's see what's going on. And I have a vision about it in terms of the movement of co-creation, because if we're going to be all busy, then we're going to have to co-create in a busy setting. It's just well, going to have to happen, otherwise phrase, we won't do it. The old phrase that says, when you want to get something done, give it to a busy person. So that has its place in this conversation as well. I also am reminded of the uh, 1960s and the 70s when talk about rediscovering relationships and bringing novelty into the space, into the room. You know, the so-called encounter groups, group therapy, group process. That was a time of incredibly fertile abundant development in these spaces. What is it like if a woman doesn't wear a bra? We laugh about it now. What does it mean, you know, if a man and woman who are uh, 
married um, are in a room and everyone takes off their shirts and looks deeply into each other's eyes of non-married people. You know, I mean, that was a time of incredible exploration. So I am always looking back to what was the frame of reference, what was the antecedent to what we're talking about today, and what are the distinctions between what we're saying is happening today and did it happen like similarly in the past. That's, it's just a query. I, I have my own suppositions about it, and I think that things keep repeating, frankly. Um, I don't think that we've actually evolved as a people very much at all. And I think the potential remains staring at us. And there have been bits of evolution, but not what I think we need for really moving forward in a way dynamically like we need to do as a, as a community. I don't mean our community. Our community is awesome. I'm talking about the community of humanity. Oh. Well, plenty of times considering considering the news that we're hit with every day and so on. I mean, yeah, where we question exactly how much progress has been made, but we we are at the edge. I mean, it's not not kidding around. We're at the really edge, not. and there are processes that are going to look have allowed to allow for the ego and yet transcend it in joint yeah. creativity. This has been one of our major findings all through the years that when people co-create, when they do something together that's meaningful, the paradox or the seeming paradox between the individual and society is resolved. And a whole new sense uh, of unity begins to be palpable, be experienced. Mm -hmm. This is the importance of the co-creative process. And uh, as you're saying and as we're saying, we have to approach it as people who are doing an experiment. This is a big experiment, and a lot is riding on different forms of communication, uh, different forms of relating, different forms of thinking with each other. Absolutely. We, again... And leadership and decision-making. Exactly. It's all, Leadership and decision-making, absolutely. And it's all evolving. Every time we meet together, this is what we mean by process consciousness. That's the new kind of consciousness. It says, I am sitting at this gathering now, and what I do influences the future of humanity right now. This is the importance of it. And that's one of the aspects of a different individual in co-creation 4.0. Yes. Yes. And that's why I don't care for the paradigm, because I think that was happening in what we would call 3.0 as well. But you don't have to agree with me. I think it's been going, the barn raising, I'm so glad you mentioned that, Victoria. I think that there was a sense of brotherly and sisterly love that was happening among those people who were doing this kind of thing. That was awesome. And uh, Mm -hmm. I think that they had a sense, they had their... I cry when I see witness. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, right. And yeah, exactly. And and the other thing is they were doing it for something that's larger than themselves. Now they had their own sense of what God is and godliness. Let's just talk about God. You know, it was let's say framed in a certain Christian 
uh, context, you know, um, and that may not appeal to us here. But that notwithstanding, because we're bigger than that, we can appreciate that that was what it was for them. And that's all that really matters. But at that barn raising 200-plus years ago, they were absolutely adoring each other, wholly respecting each other, involved in process, involved in deep nonverbal communication, handing somebody, you know, a block of wood, put it here, put it there. You know, I mean, I don't know. I guess I think that there's been good going on among people on some profoundly deep levels for a long time. I think one of the things that has emerged is we have a language to describe what we're seeing emerge in a way that we didn't have so much in the past. I don't know. That's my overall take on it. But as you're both suggesting, there's so much more to unpack with all of this, and I so appreciate your robust pioneering perspective on working with people for all of these decades that you've been doing the Vistar work and willing to put yourselves on the line with the Vistar Foundation itself, with the theater work that you've done, with all the creative acts that you two have um, really been the genesis of. I, I really I applaud you for what you're doing and what you have been doing. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you. And everything that you do. Thank you much. Thank you. And I appreciate the dialogue. I love the dialogue and I love the inspiration. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Oh, wow. (laughs) So thank you for coming on A Better World. I hope we're creating a better world through this dialogue. That's for sure. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Victoria, would you just um, let everyone know about the upcoming International Day of Peace event that we're all part of? Yeah. Yeah, so um, this event is going to be in New York City on September 19th from 3 p.m. to 7. And uh, you can find the address and the registration place and the ticket place on our Facebook page. Just go on FIONS, F-I-O-N-S, FIONS, on Facebook, and you'll see um, a posting about this. And so, um, let's see. And and uh, it's going to be at a, on 4 West 43rd Street, so it's very easy to come to, yep. easy location. Close to and the Grand time Central. is really nice. Yeah. yeah. And it's after lunch and before dinner, so it's just a wonderful way to spend an afternoon and be inspired and then go out with people and, and share your energy and, as I said, poetry and images and chant for change. And, exactly. and Mitch Rabin in drama. Time. Mitch Rabin in drama and Rick Ofing on the piano. <laughs> yeah, there we go. I think poetry. poetry, exactly. Uh, yeah. I, I might be fitting in into a few places. And Kristen, right, exactly. You have some real world-class people. Well, it's just really a pleasure. Give your website also to our audience. Okay. It's www.vistar, V-I-S-T-A-R, foundation.org. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Well, thank you both again. I so enjoyed the dialogue, the trialogue to be exact. (laughs) um, It's really such a pleasure. I I love you both, and I just love what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you, Mitchell. Thank you so much, Mitchell. Every time we talk, 
It is creative dialogue. It is, and I learned that. Isn't it? Isn't it? In fact, before I let you go, I want to pick up on that, Ron, and say, um, and you you implied this before that when and just now, every conversation is a creative act, and uh, what we understand now because of quantum physics, we understand through things such as the butterfly effect and the idea of mirror neurons, we understand that we are having a profound connection to the larger morphogenetic field surrounding the planet through every intentional conscious dialogue. We are doing spiritual epigenetics. There we go. And uh, I love what you're saying. I a thousand percent agreement. God bless. Wonderful. Thank you both again, and we'll love you. See you soon. Okay. 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 Good night, Mitch. Good night now. Ron and Victoria Friedman of the Vistar Foundation. Just lovely, lovely people. It's thirty years is not a short amount of time to be completely committed to a certain process and understanding and exploration. And uh we do share so much. Uh, not only that, because a better world's been going on for almost 30 years as well, and uh, our joint involvement with the great teacher G.I. George Ivanovich Gurdjieff, who is just one of the most outstanding teachers of the 20th century. Uh, we've all been influenced tremendously by his radical thinking and method of teaching. So uh, it bonds us in some really really beautiful, interesting ways. So, yes, if you can join us uh, for this event that Victoria was telling us about uh, on Facebook, go to our FIONS page, F-I-O-N-S, and know that we as a group, FIONS, uh, offer any number of different kinds of um, events as the year winds on. You know, so please stay in touch with us and get on our mailing list so you can be apprised of the various things that we're up to, to forward the conversation, to advance the activity toward the creation, honestly, of a better world. Um, I myself feel very strongly that, uh, well, let me put it first say, uh, what I describe as the inner and outer ecologies or landscapes Um, and where they meet is so critically important. And our looking at the world as objectively as we can and seeing what it needs for our own sustenance at this point. There have been other times in history where we didn't have to be so concerned about um, whether we're going to be tilting the axis of the planet the way we are now or releasing methane gas, which is, you know, uh, 50 to 100 times more... um, Uh, costly than CO2 in our atmosphere. Um, But we are at that brink right now, as Ron and Victoria were saying. We're at that edge. We're really facing down the notion of the sixth extinction. And if you want to read about that, read Elizabeth Colbert's book on it. It's awesome with the uh, death of the frogs and and uh, species literally dying every single day. Ancient species dying by the day. I mean, it's so awesome when you look at everything biologically that you want to cry. 
and you want to go deep into your heart, body, and mind and come up with ways of being on the planet and actions on the planet that will help to bring us through this incredibly rocky period. And it is rocky. And there's no certainty of success either, which makes it even rockier because of our deep survival instinct in 3D. And we really want to do good. And we really want to come to balance and come into resonance with each other. It's just, it's part of the overall plan. So uh, I really love to refer to the work of Paul Hawken and the book he wrote called Blessed Unrest, in which is listed um, literally hundreds of thousands of organizations across the planet. This is on the good side, um, doing extraordinary work to feed people, to house people, to provide really innovative answers to electricity and lighting that are renewable, of providing for uh, education um, deep in the developing countries and god knows we need it right here in the us of a where we have 18 million children going to bed hungry every single night we have veterans of wars people who've been willing to put their lives on the line talk about a shift in consciousness who are being completely alienated from um the rest of society and not included you know, these are all very real things that we must deal with. Um, and, uh, you know, decision-making on all levels. These are very important subjects. So, anyway, I'm so glad that you joined us again today. I so appreciate your attention. God knows there's so much grabbing at it these days uh, that you decide to come and partake of the... Uh, thoughts and expressions here at A Better World is uh, so, so appreciated. Remember that we are a non-profit ourselves, a 501c3, recently birthed, by the way, and so any donation, I prefer to think of them as investments into a better world, uh, will serve us all. And please just go to our website at www.abetterworld.tv. There's a donate button, and if it's for any kind of considerable money over a few hundred dollars, please contact me at mjr at abetterworld.net. With all due respect to PayPal, I'd rather that uh, A Better World receives all the funds because we're judicious in the way we use money to help build our platform and create sustainability here for our project here. So thanks again. This is Mitchell J. Rabin for A Better World, and I look forward to speaking with you all next week.